The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Welcome to the Mentory TV podcast and Thrive with Patricia Falco Beccali. Welcome back to another edition of COVID-19 from crisis to creation here on Mentory TV. I'm Patricia Falco Beccali, your host. Well, COVID-19 crisis, yes, it's a health crisis, but look outside the window. The lockdowns, no cars on the streets, very few airplanes in the sky, really generated a beautiful environment when it comes to nature. So it seems that the resilience in the nature really feeds off a low CO2 emission. And I thought, okay, how is it going to play out once the lockdowns are over? And that made me think of e-mobility alternative energy sources, but not only in terms of batteries, but I'm interested in the fuel cells, the hydrogen fuel cells of powered batteries. And for that, I invited Andrew Marsh. He is the CEO of Plug Power. It's a NASDAQ-listed company that is one of the leading companies in exactly that sector. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us here on Mentor TV. It, it's a pleasure, Patricia. And call me Andy. Only my mother called me Andrew. Okay, Andy. <laughs> if you say something I don't like, I will go back to Andrew, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's a great start to, to our conversation, Andy. Um, well, okay. Let's talk about your industry, hydrogen fuel cells and powering the industry with that kind of energy source. I mean, it's been around for a while. Tell us a little bit mm. how the market is and was developing before COVID-19 crisis hit and how you're seeing it to map out right now. You're right, Patricia. Hydrogen as a fuel goes back a long time. It took man to the moon. Uh, so it's uh, it's been around. But in the last... Uh, 10 years, I think, you know, you, you know, you're going, you've gone through with this industry, many ups and downs. And, you know, I would say that uh, while folks thought we were in the wilderness, it was this big, you know, around 2000, 2001, everything in the world was going to be powered by hydrogen. Interesting. I worked in broadband in 1988 and we thought everything was going to be broadband in 1988. And it really took about 20 years. And in many ways, hydrogen has been going through the same path. Here, you know, at Plug Power, where I'm the CEO, uh, Plug Power about eight, nine years ago, decided to initially focus on putting fuel cells in the forklift trucks. And we did it because this industry has had a number of challenges. One was associated with, you know, what comes first, hydrogen fueling stations or the hydrogen vehicles. And in this market, you could look at and say, Look, you could build a fueling station initially that could be used every day. And uh, you know, so we became successful with people like Walmart and Amazon. And you know, today we have 33,000 units we've shipped. We've built over 90 hydrogen stations. We're the biggest user of hydrogen as a fuel in the world. But it's really just the beginning. But during COVID-19, I think what you saw was the value of the technology. So if you look at whether it's in forklift trucks, whether it's for on-road vehicles, there's certainly an element of climate change, uh, but there's also a value proposition like other technologies that are new, that are coming, 
that makes work easier. So uh, in Walmart distribution centers, we're able to move about eight to 9% more goods per hour. And during COVID-19, there were times where those facilities were working at 50% capacity. So plug power and hydrogen, little known fact, 30% of the food in the U.S. during during this crisis have actually touched a device manufactured by plug power, which had, which, which uh, was powered by hydrogen. Yeah. So, you know, I think what you have is now uh, a lot of people step back, uh, especially our main customers. I can tell you they're thinking about where else can hydrogen be used in their application. Yeah. So, this is a very, that, that's a very, very uh, profound kind of wrap up where you are right now, how you entered the market. And that is really yeah. the material handling industry. So anything yeah. that can be basically shifted in terms of materials, this is why you were saying, I think one of your main, um, main clients is Amazon as well as Walmart, I think Carrefour and even BMW uh, are are some of your partners. So this is an industry that seems to be growing. But then you also have the other side. And us as consumers, we always look at the car industry of being a potential viable, you know, target market for this technology. Is that so? So I would look at it probably a little bit different, Patricia. So the answer to your question is yes. But I think where you'll see fuel cells the most successful during the next five to 10 years is actually geared more towards commercial type applications. So DHL, you know, has put together a wonderful chart and DHL has very strong goals to reach sustainability goals. And they look at battery electric vehicles as a vehicle of choice up to about 125 kilometers for a typical truck running down the road. But if you go beyond that, you know, fuel cells have certain advantages over battery electric vehicles. And, you know, if you think about it, you know, you can fill a fuel cell vehicle in about five minutes, much like how you would fill a diesel vehicle. Uh, You can get about twice the range. So you don't have the issues. And the power density is much higher which actually allows more goods for packages. And DHL has a public chart that shows about 125, 150 kilometers. Batteries just don't meet their needs for how a package needs to be delivered. While fuel cells go all the way up to 600 kilometers and more. So that's a real, you know, so where you're going to see most of the big initial deployments are actually at places with anything from class three trucks all the way to class eight trucks. I know we're doing projects with some of our largest customers in those applications. And that's where, you know, I kind of have a, in my mind, if it's an asset intense application where you use a vehicle all the time, fuel cells make sense. Thinking about passenger vehicles, I think where you're going to see it today in places like France and London, France has taxis on the phone powered by fuel cells today. And again, it's a fleet vehicle. You want the vehicle on the road all the time. And you start start and think about that. Do you want to spend time taking taxi off the road to charge it? Or do you want to fill it up in five minutes like you would a regular taxi? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me, let me just uh, interject there. Yeah. You were talking about disadvantages. 
yes, range and how fast you can, you can fuel it up. However, it seems that the cost and the infrastructure, the cost of the vehicle themselves, the production of it, because there's yeah. no scale as far as I understand, the industry yeah. yet at least makes it very expensive. So the average car is a lot more expensive than even a battery-fueled um, car. And then the infrastructure of actually going and fueling it up with hydrogen is simply not there because there was a lack of investment. Hmm. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I think, you know, as I mentioned before, part of the investment challenge was what came first, the cars or the infrastructure. And that problem we solved in distribution centers and manufacturing facilities by putting them both in together. And what you see when you see the deployment of fuel cells for taxis in France, they can use one or two centralized fueling points fill the taxis up just like they would for diesel today and be out on the road. Uh, in global, and I think that's you know, one of the reasons that um, you're going to see a good deal of the initial deployments are in these asset-intense applications. Now, and then if you start thinking, if you look at, um, you mentioned cost, and you know, there is a um, and your audience may be interested in this, there's a global organization called the Hydrogen Council. And it was formed by people like Air Liquide, Toyota, Shell Oil, Plug Power's a member. Uh, but uh, you know, we put out a cost roadmap that's available on their website, uh, which talks about 15 applications in which fuel cells will be cost competitive without subsidies by 2030 with bad, with internal combustion engines, and battery electric vehicles. And many of those applications are associated with on-road. Yeah, and this is very interesting because if I look at, you know, how many funds are actually flowing into the industry, I think Bosch is investing and even a Chinese diesel engine producer called Waichai uh, bought sure. into a couple of players in your sector. So there is a lot of investment and there's getting uh, more and more traction. So that makes the, uh, the actual technology more viable in future as well. Yeah, I mean, plug power you know, over the past uh, month uh, during the middle of this, COVID virus. Now, we did the first in the U.S. convertible green bond uh, where we were able to raise $200 million uh, at a 3.5% interest rate. Uh, we also uh, raised an additional $50 million of debt. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a market that uh, you, know, you can raise capital if you have a business model that makes sense for investors. Mm -hmm. Now, talking about business model, you know, I'm, I am not a, <laughs> an expert, of course. I'm a, I'm a total greenhorn when it comes to energy and alternative <laughs> energy production. But, you know, just by hearsay, what I get is that the battery-fueled um, electric vehicles, they have problems when it comes to, you know, damaging the, the environment at the front end and certainly at the waste management at the, uh, at the back end of the entire um, business model. So getting rid of the batteries. And then you have hydrogen, taking hydrogen and oxygen to um, create the power. And then as a residue, having uh, water, which is great for the environment. But there's hydrogen and then there's also green hydrogen. Because I think in order to produce hydrogen in the first place, you still have to use fossil fuels. Um, can you clarify this for me? Sure. So 
The answer to your question, I want to give you a typical, I'm an engineer by background, so I'm giving you yes, please, a yes, yes, please. yes yeah. answer. Mm. Most hydrogen today actually comes from fossil fuels. But, uh, you know, Plug Power, for example, may announce that we're purchasing an electrolyzer company. And if you think about the low cost of renewable uh, energy, electricity, that, uh, you know, you can take renewable electricity using a process called electrolysis and create 100% green hydrogen. And you see many companies beginning to make investments in Europe, in the United States today. And one of the reasons we bought or buying an electrolyzer company is because my main customers are asking us to have green hydrogen. So about, uh, so there's different levels of green hydrogen. Uh, electrolyzers are the purest green hydrogen forms. There's hydrogen, which is formed, which is created through waste streams like um, chloralkaline streams where, you know, the hydrogen is in the air with the other impurities to the smokestack and you take that and clean it up. Uh, so I think what you'll see, you know, in Europe has a huge commitment of 80 gigawatts of electrolyzers by 2030. What you're going to see is more and more percentage of the market being green hydrogen. And Plug Power expects to be using 85 tons of hydrogen per day uh, by 2024. And we've made a commitment that more than half of what we ship to customers will be green. So there is also a green evolution, uh, if not revolution, within yeah. the hydrogen um, power sector. Uh, you just mentioned, Andy, that you're an engineer. I'm going to share a screen with you. <laughs> so you as an engineer, you got to love it. <laughs> Let me share this one for you. Let me see whether I get it. Where is it? Here. Um, and I do that because uh, many of our viewers might not really know how hydrogen power is really created. Do you want to give us a little bit of of a comment of what you see, um, how the power is actually <laughs> generated, just very quickly. You're, you're giving me a test. So let me uh, sit <laughs> back and talk about, you know, hydrogen is the most abundant element on Earth. And, uh, you know, very simply, uh, hydrogen, you know, if you remember your old chemistry, it uh, consists of one proton and one electron. And essentially, with a hydrogen fuel cell, uh, you have hydrogen coming in one side, and that hydrogen electron is separated uh, from the proton. And that electron is used uh, to circulate to create electricity. And the proton uh, filters through to the other side, uh, reunites with hydrogen, and creates water. Fantastic. Fantastic. So Thank are, you so much. And you can actually oxygen, oxygen on one side, hydrogen on the other side, electricity. Electricity on that side, and then as an outcome or um, as a waste, uh, actually yeah. H2O. And then the next screen I wanted to share with you is that one, the renewable generation capacity by energy source. And you mentioned the growth rate going forward. What's interesting is uh, all these sources. Let me give you an example. Um, here, you know, I live in the state of New York, and up in the Niagara Falls regions, there's lots of electricity that there's nothing to be done with. And, you know, one of the possibilities is you put an electrolyzer there and that you can actually create hydrogen at a lower cost than using electrolysis 
at a lower cost than you could make it using natural gas. So the cl clean green hydrogen can be very, very cost competitive today with uh, you know, fossil fuel produced hydrogen. Yeah. In terms of demand going forward, I'm looking at the numbers. Some of the analysts see actually that your sector will have a cargo or compounded growth rate and your growth rate of about 14% over the next six years, reaching anywhere between 40 and 50 billion US dollars worth of a global market. Um, yeah. To, you know, where's the demand really coming from? You were talking about the B2B sector, yeah. you know, material shifting, but there must be more. And especially from a geographical point of view, where do you think the demand is going to come from? Okay. So let me, let me talk about products first. And, I, and um, one item people may not think about is that, uh, you know, it's both, you know, devices that use fuel cells as well as hydrogen itself. And hydrogen itself is used in ammonia manufacturing for fertilizers is the biggest use of hydrogen today. Hydrogen is also used in oil refinery. Hydrogen is used in silicon manufacturing for silicon plants. Uh, hydrogen is used uh, in, in steel. So you're going to see uh, if you want to uh, have green industrial heat for processing, hydrogen's really the only solution. When you start thinking about hydrogen for homes, people like uh, National Grid in the UK are looking to have more than 50% of their pipeline be hydrogen by 2040. So if you think about that, you know, there's a huge application for at home, huge application for industrial uses, and then huge applications for commercial usage. As we talked about class three trucks, class eight trucks, large scale backup systems. When you think about a global perspective, um, you know, the regions, you know, not surprising, uh, the EU, especially out of this COVID crisis, has really made a real commitment that, you know, when you start thinking about funds to use to grow the economy from here, the EU is committed to doing it in a green way and with hydrogen. So there's lots of activity going on, you know, led by you know, major companies in Europe, people like Lindy and you know, Air Liquide and Shell Oil. You know, household names are really big proponents of hydrogen as a way to clean up the environment in Europe. Uh, China has a huge commitment to, uh, you mentioned why shine. Uh, leading provider of, uh, you know, essentially diesel engines in China, state-owned company. Uh, China has incentives in place that really encourage manufacturing of fuel cells. Japan, Toyota, you know, the Olympics in 2020, which unfortunately not 2020 now, were actually going to be a hydrogen Olympics. And the 2021, uh, the torch was actually going to be uh, lit by a flying hydrogen car. South okay. Korea, yeah, South Korea is another country with strong, strong commitments to hydrogen led by people like Hyundai. And here in North America, we actually have the most attractive tax code for hydrogen in the world, which, you know, gets missed. And probably the largest deployment of hydrogen in the, in the United States and in the world is actually in California today. So, yeah. uh, so it is, uh, you know, 
I would say the difference between the U.S. and the rest of the world, so much of our behavior is customer-driven, consumer-driven, where people are demanding green. And that's why you see the commitments being made by people like Amazon. Yes, absolutely. You see Amazon and and Walmart, as you were saying earlier on. You know, as a a consumer, of course, I'm asking myself, um, will Tesla or battery uh, cell fueled vehicles really have a long-term future considering what you are saying right now? Well, by the way, I do believe, you know, I'm not a um, purist. Uh, When I look at a normal usage of an automobile, uh, you know, you know, we'll use it, people use it about 4% of the time a day. That is a perfect application for battery electric vehicles. Uh, I would buy a battery electric vehicle if that was the case. But, you know, they also have charging issues. And I, I live in a condo in Saratoga Springs, New York. I have no way to charge a vehicle at my home. And um, so, I mean, I think there's, you know, I think battery electric vehicles or especially for passenger vehicles, you know, will have a big share of the market in 2030. In the 2030s, I think, you know, you look at California, they estimate only about 15% of the homes can actually charge a vehicle. Yeah, still. So when you think about numbers like, no, 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 that the grid actually is there and they live in facilities that could actually support it. So, you know, hydrogen has that ability to make the experience similar to what we have today with an auto. And... Uh, I think what you'll see in 2030, more and more vehicles will be passenger vehicles. And that's why you're seeing the heavy investments that were made by people like Toyota and Hyundai. Because because they're thinking about 10, 15 years from now. Exactly. You have that. You have that. And I have to say, I'm an investor myself in that industry. And I've seen the apps. (laughs) <laughs> around yeah. 2000 and I've seen the crush <laughs> you yeah. know ever since and you were saying it at the beginning of our conversation Andy where you know it's kind of like 20 years on hopefully we are yeah. at a sweet spot and looking at you know the the evolution of the industry itself but also the share price I wonder yeah. um, is it really now this COVID-19 crisis a wake-up call to really go and look more and more for e-mobility, but also outside of only batteries, and that we see a more sustained growth reflected also in share prices going forward and not just a huge hype and a bust as we did see in the 2000s? So I think it's a lot different. Look, I, I, you know, and Plug Power was one of those companies that had those huge spikes, you know, back uh, in 2000. We had like $1 million in revenue and a market cap of $8 billion. Uh, wow. And, you know, now today, you know, we'll do $300 million. We'll generate $20 million of EBITDA this year. We have real customers. We have expanding applications. You know, it, it's not... You know, and we've demonstrated that we can make people's operations better. So there's a distinct advantage that you have a technology that makes your business work more efficiently. That's much different than 2000. So, you know, plug power, you know, we we expect to be one, you know, this year will be 300 million. We have a plan to be 1 billion by 2024. 
with our acquisitions, I think that number will be upped. And so, um, you know, we, uh, we don't really feel like it's, you know, I've lived through, uh, you know, when I came in 2008, uh, I can remember walking through our factory the first day and I had my wife with me. I turned to her and said, how am I ever going to fill this place? And, uh, <laughs> you know, and today I'm on the phone, uh, talking to people about, uh, where we expand our manufacturing facilities. So, uh, it's a different time. Amazing. You're commercializing really and, and, and taking the dynamics and talking of which, what would you say you could really see during this, um, re period of the COVID-19 crisis are trends that started to materialize or reinforce themselves that you will say, okay, these are here long-term to stay and to really commercialize on. Yeah. So, um, you know, the United States is different than Europe. Um, and I think in a funny way, COVID-19 made us realize we're more part of a community than we normally think about. And the climate is certainly part of that community. And, um, and I think globally, the world, there's other countries who are better at that naturally than the U.S. by nature. But I think that, uh, I think people are trying to think about how they take care of their neighbor better. And when you think about from uh, a point of view of how you have a greener, cleaner climate and economy, um, I think people individually are much more committed. And I think that it's reinforced. I, I can tell you my discussions with my major customers, you know, even though I'm sitting here at my home at the moment, are much more intense about how they can be greener faster. I know we were talking to one of our customers about building hydrogen plants, and you know we gave them a timeline, and they said, "Can't you get there faster so we can have greener hydrogen faster?" So is that so just to, to ask you there? Is that your customers actually coming to you proactively because they know they want to make lasting change in the way they operate? Yeah. Absolutely, Patricia. It's a, uh, you know, uh, you know. I, I think it's because, and I think that there was a commitment to green, and then they saw the performance of hydrogen fuel cells during the crisis, and I think they, I think they put the two to two together that this technology really is better than what they've used in the past, and what other applications make sense. So we've been talking well beyond material handling to from robots to on-road vehicles to drones where hydrogen fuel cells have unique advantages versus batteries. And somebody just came into the room. Yep, yes, it's <laughs> uh, joining the conversation. My, 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 my wife was out shopping. Hopefully, <laughs> 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 the hydrogen-powered <laughs> car. <laughs> I love this one. No, it is it is excellent. You know, I'm really fascinated by the technology and by the market. And of course, if you put um, demand and supply together, you see the technology has been here for so so many years. But now, perhaps, really, it's starting to take a foothold, also pressured by what we've seen in terms of climate change uh, and in terms of also businesses looking at a more mutuality kind of uh, approach yeah. to their business models. Yeah, you know, Patricia, when I uh, focused this business years ago, you know, I, I focused on the fact, could you build a business model that worked, right? 
regardless of whether it was climate change oriented or not. Because uh, as you know, companies want to go green, but people want to go green in a way that doesn't cost them any more money. Um, I think we've came up with a solution that allows them to go green and it reduces the cost of the operations. You know, Walmart's a great example. Uh, you know, I've, uh, and I, I have such admiration for them. I've been at Walmart sustainability conferences and they talk about how to manufacture shirts, which who thinks about manufacturing shirts? But Walmart thinks about uh, how do you manufacture a shirt and have less waste? Because they believe that sustainable solutions should be lower cost ultimately, that it's really a reduction in waste. If you think about it, especially when you think about how fossil fuels dirty the air. Yeah, there's a lot of waste that goes out there. And I think what you're seeing is customers beginning to put a price on CO2, beginning to think about uh, how, they, how they have to service their customers, their shareholders and the communities which they live, and probably just as important, their employees. And that is a wonderful word to wrap up our conversation, Andy. Uh, so interesting, insightful, and I really, <laughs> I learned that hydro actually means waterfalls, water-generated energy rather than hydrogen. You know, thank you so much for being with us here on Mentorit TV. And all the best to you, to your business. Um, and yeah, stay healthy and safe. Okay. You too, Patricia. And thank you for the opportunity to talk to your audience. And thank you, Mentory TV community. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andy Marsh, the CEO of Plug Power. And please let me know your thoughts as you usually do. Give me your suggestions and I'll make the best to get really interesting people such as Andy himself back on the show. And yeah, discuss whatever their expertise is because they live it, they share it, and thus they can mentor it. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on The Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.